Hello again and welcome to I've Got a Beatles podcast with Dave and Chris and we are here for what might be a long haul uh, to give <laughs> our impressions and discussions about Peter Jackson's Get Back. In our last episode, in our holiday gifts episode, we we had just watched, kind of gave our, our initial reactions real quickly, but we didn't want to say much because we wanted to go back and review the episodes because they were overwhelming and i think that's a word that keeps coming up and i'm sure you you felt the same way that this was just an overwhelming viewing experience yeah and particularly if say you want to podcast about it so you watch the thing a whole second time yes it 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 is feeling a little long and a little like exhausting yes uh for sure not that that means that i don't think it is fantastic because i do spoiler alert uh a super fantastic but i i'm curious dave is the three part thing do you think that was the right format or should it have been a okay it's a series and so chopped into like eight or ten episodes sort of like the beatles anthology you had its separate parts and separate volume when you get the dvd you would be in yeah different segments like yeah. that i don't know i it, it was a whole it's one continuous story i think that it's different than the anthology which was a lot of years this yeah. was all condensed into just one month and so i think it probably was the best choice to do it mm-hmm. as they did uh, but yeah. it did make it very as we say exhausting because there's so much detail and and so many things to think about and thinking about your experiences with Beatle history and mm-hmm. what we know, what we didn't know. So just so many things happen, but I do think it was probably the best approach. And I know you and I have agreed on this, that those who wanted, oh, I just want a, a 90 minute in the theater thing. Uh, I, I've seen nobody arguing that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no, I have seen a few of the, and we'll get to comments. Yeah. But a few of the comments being like, mm, you know, I'm, I'm maybe it wasn't as great as I thought it was. I got a little bored with it, was exhausted by it, ready for it to be over. I was certainly exhausted by it too, Yeah. but I think it's such a fantastic thing. You cut out any two minutes of it and play me it. And I'm just like enthralled and like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. great. I can't believe I'm looking at what I'm seeing. Yeah. So that uh, what stands out to me, just as general, a how great the restoration process was. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. I mean, it really almost looks like it could have been filmed, you know, not yesterday, not today exactly, but certainly not in 1969. Yeah. yeah. And there's clearly some times when there's audio that spliced kind of over visuals that don't quite you can tell they're not saying that right then to do that and make it seamless and make it always interesting and make it always so you can when you can't and barely hear what they're talking about you get that uh chiron at the bottom with the um sort of closed captioning so i think they did a great job with all that but i was stunned at the songs the the music that was uh in, included too and that how much of it i'd never even heard anything about 
it was kind of a summary of what they what they played in their history, their lives, what was current at the time, mm-hmm. uh, everything happening. And a lot of this was documented in that book, uh, the Get Back Chronicle, Get Back Disaster book that I've used yeah. a lot and discussed before. So they did actually mention all those, but we never, I never heard them. Now I know, you know, many listeners have heard the Nagra reels for years, and I have mm-hmm. I have parts of them, but. Uh, to actually hear see them, I think, is a much different experience, and that's that's the thing. It's you actually see them, you know, George playing a Bob Dylan song, or them playing these oldies and different, yeah. different things is really valuable. Or, or making up songs, yeah. Uh, or making, making up, up songs, these right? Madman and yeah. Commonwealth and yeah. you know all, all these things. So those were the that was like the to me in the particularly in the rewatch just like continuously watch anytime they're playing anything really yeah, to be definitely. honest because i i just felt like it was also well done and really brought put you right in the room where i and to to me those are the most interesting things to me and i i realized that they focused more on the new songs songs you've never heard little little uh songlets that they tried a little bit of and then abandoned and then secondarily songs that they were developing that weren't quite ready child of nature something was in there and some some uh, octopus's garden a lot of the abbey road songs you heard yeah snippets oh darling and things like that and and there was less emphasis though they were still there on them just sort of for lack of a better term dicking around playing yeah. oldies but i was happy that they added a bunch of that stuff in because we've heard a bunch of these on, that's what i've heard mostly on bootlegs is your blue suede shoes blue suede or, shoes and that yeah. that kind of stuff and to me that's less interesting than playing the oldies but it was it was interesting and every time that it, it seemed like every time that they put those clips in and I, I think they were very uh, judicious about what what clips that they put in of that, that it was like always the more fun sort of, you know, whatever, whenever they're playing in it, it's more fun and everybody's paying attention. Right. I think a lot of those were like in the recording sessions, probably just like time fillers and yeah, fiddling somebody around. else is doing something else. So they're fiddling around with something like that. So, yes. And we'll get into a lot of those details in a little bit. Uh, another question, you raised this a little bit earlier about who who this is for. And I'm wondering, do you know anybody who's not like us or not like our listeners who are the diehards who actually sat through all eight hours, eight, well, almost eight hours, uh, and sat through it? First off, I barely know anybody these days. <laughs> So that's, that's one need to get thing. out more here. More. <laughs> yeah. I've lost all my friends and uh, yeah. half of my family don't talk to me anymore. So um, there's that <laughs> not to, not to bring everybody down, but I think when I did talk to some uh, of uh, Hillary's side of the family, they are Beatles fans and pretty Beatles fans and they loved it, hmm. but they hadn't watched it all yet. It okay. wasn't like a necessity like it was for us. I mean, we're the type of guys that were in line to get the midnight sale of the 
of the anthology because we know that we're going to get that bonus uh, sweatshirt. Exactly. Exactly. Other people are coming from a different place and they're going to watch it eventually. And they might watch it in little uh, spurts. Yeah. Or they might not watch all of it. Kind of, you sort of get the idea after the first one what it's going to be like. And it's too bad because if, if you only watch the first part, then you're missing oh, yeah. the, best, the best stuff, I would say. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's unfortunate. But I, I think that's, the that most... was a problem. I just wonder about, you know, there's some, some of our listeners, uh, by the way, we'll, we'll get into your listener feedback and comments a bit later. And we want to thank you for all the wonderful responses that came yeah. in. But yeah. a lot of people were wondering, you know, who is this for? And is this kind of a niche thing? Obviously not, because Disney Plus had an enormous windfall of money and, yeah. and has been, you know, this has been very, been the talk of the town for a long time now. But I just wonder, because it is so much to take in. Well, I, I don't care that much about that because... A, it is for me. Yes. So I win. <laughs> you know, <laughs> since they made this great thing for me that I love, I'll watch it and enjoy it. True. Right? True. And B, what isn't niche these days? You know, yeah. and Disney Plus is full of niche. You know, not everybody's into Marvel movies. Not everybody's into Star Wars. Not every. You know. Yeah, that's so true. So it's full of a lot of. You know, I, I I like I I am into Marvel movies and Star Wars, but I'm not so much into cartoons, you know, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse. Other people are really into uh, like, oh, they've got Disney Plus and it's just for Pixar. Right. You know, right. so it there we are. We do a niche podcast. Yeah. So so people True. are listening to this or, you know, but not everybody, not J- Joe Schmo off the streets. It wants to hear a podcast about wings wildlife, you know? <laughs> so uh, it's just, but Beatles fans, it's a, it is a huge market. It True. is a huge market. And if you're a Beatles fan, I think you would watch this and you would enjoy it. Yes. Some people who watched it and, and have some complaints in our comments are still like, Oh, it's an ingre- incredible gift to the fans. Mm-hmm. Even if they didn't like it as much as they thought they would, and got bored with it, or thought it was too long, or as a doc, uh, one of the comments here is like, as a documentary, it's not a very good documentary. It's just sort of, it is truly the bane of everybody's uh, Beatles fan existence is that fly on the wall disc. Oh. <laughs> from Let it be naked. As a coaster. Yeah. And uh, now we've got, we've got a true fly on the wall. It's yeah. just, it's like we are showing up every day. Right. And punching in our own ticket and just kind of hanging out. And I, and I, so I think I like the length of it and the slowness of it in places and the, just obvious like you feel the frustration and the lack of focus and the yeah. you know I, I i feel like i i can really relate to what they went through they're just kind of like they're not not much is happening sometimes they don't have the idea they keep trying to get the idea what to do with this they still can't the day before they were still talking about it and one of the lengthiest uh, segments in the whole documentaries and one day before they go on the roof and they have no idea if they're going on the roof or not. Right. 
And George exactly. is like, I don't want to go on the roof. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. Right. As, as many have said, it's also very realistic. All that stuff you were just talking about. You and I have both played in bands. I've been in you know many rock bands in my life. And there are moments like that. Any, any creative art or creative activity is going to have a lot of fits and starts. It, it, you never just write it all out perfectly. There's going to be some dull moments where you just can't think of anything or you're just disagreeing with your writing partner or, or your, your guitarist just can't get the lick or, and you're seeing all that. And I think that's really effective. And it, it speaks to all of us who've been in that situation and that the Beatles, the greatest group that ever has existed, had the same problems that me and the bands I played in did. So yeah, that was the, valuable. A, a great point, Dave, because it's sort of like, this is how the sausage is made. Exactly. Yeah. In, in bands. And pre- here we are with uh, a geniuses like, and they are, you could see Paul getting very frustrated leading up to the whole infamous you know, moment with George getting frustrated with other stuff yeah. that they're, tr- they're trying to work on there, you know, uh, uh, and that's very typical of any creative process, collaborative creative process. I work with a, a sort of a partner in screenwriting and we, we, you know, often have little rows mm-hmm. over and it's mostly from both being frustrated on wanting to do something good. Yeah. And so I feel like there you are with the Beatles. They're all, you know, they all know that they can do this great work, but it's been not going well for a while. <laughs> and, and so uh, to be able to sit in there and, and kind of like watch this process, but also get their whole personalities and, and, and see how they interact and and enjoy some laughs with them and in, also get tired of with, when they're getting tired. I felt like that was replicated really well and uh, just a just a really uh, enjoyable thing for me to watch. I don't, I don't know about you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's it's the first time that we've really seen them as people uh, now this could be a, a good question, but how much were they playing for the cameras and how much were they unguarded? I think a mixture of both, but I think it was the case where we, we actually see them interacting as people for the first time in interviews. You don't see that because they're getting this, the silly questions a lot. And when they're recording, you can hear them in the studio and audio, but you don't see, see them actually interacting. So yeah, it, it does. And you know, here's a question. Do you think they live up to the stereotypes about them just by watching them over these almost eight hours? Do they seem like they before you'd seen this and then after you'd seen it, did it did your mind change about what John Paul, George and Ringo were like as people? Not a whole lot, particularly Ringo. <laughs> real quiet Ringo's really that uh, if there's one thing about this documentary that stands out is that Ringo's just sort of there and waiting to drum and then he drums yeah you, not a whole lot of input <laughs> input engagement other than I really don't want to go overseas you yeah, know? <laughs> yeah so, he really didn't like that idea yeah <laughs> so um 
but yeah, no, I did, did it for you. If it did for me at all, it was that George seemed not engaged enough as if he's been uh, sort of tethered to this sort of role. And I think that he could have just been a little pushier. Yeah. He was very passive aggressive on a lot of things. Yeah. And kind of checked out. Yeah. Checked out. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. So, so if he did, if he had come in with some enthusiasm, you know, and then once they move to in part two, they move to the new place, then he, you do see him regain some enthusiasm and, and right. all of a sudden he's got old brown shoe and, and some other things like that. So, um, yeah. So I don't think it changed a whole lot. I mean, John is hilarious throughout yes. there. He, he just is like, just so funny and quick, such quick wit and just yeah. the, the silliest kinds of things that just, I would just burst out laughing. So he, he still had that, but then he also could be very difficult, which we know when he was, whether it's drugs or whatever the situation was, he yeah. could be very difficult. You had Paul who was very ambitious and very, you know, living up to the reputation of really the guy who kept the group going in a yeah. sense, because the others weren't going to do it. And uh, yet also Paul, it confirmed to me that I knew this certainly, but it was totally confirmed that he's the best musician in the group by far mm-hmm. and was just at an enormous peak at that point of just creativity. One thing after another, amazing. Just yeah. It's sort of nature. It's sort of, he's so on fire. And of course there you know, everybody the, the high, uh, talks about the highlight of the whole series is when he's coming up with get back and we'll get right. into that a little more. So when you're John at a regular pace, this is all done in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, have you written anything, John? And it's like, <laughs> geez, you know, sometimes it's like I can sympathize with him of like, uh, just take it easy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll, glad, I'll, I'm glad you, I'm glad you've got like 50 songs <laughs> written right now. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a chance. <laughs> yeah. It's just amazing. Like, oh, I've got another. Oh, let me sit oh. down and here's another day. Oh, let me yeah. sit down here. Oh, yeah, I came up with this one in backseat and of it, my car. And here's, yeah. oh, darling, I'm going to come in on the day yeah. off. And uh, what do you think of the the way that it was structured in terms of the graphic with the the uh, the days on the calendar? Let's get into that here because uh, I liked it. I liked yes. the day one and I thought that that gave it a structure and, and actually made it sort of a, a, a proper good documentary. I know that some of our comments think it wasn't that good of a documentary. There wasn't much of a structure, but I thought, I thought that that was the key structure was like, okay, here's the day. And then you just kind of like took what the day gave you. And some of the days were good. And some of the days, the the day that George quits, it sort of feels a little coming out of nowhere. Yeah, you know. But I I, I thought it was essential that they kept going back to this map. They kept like yeah yeah floating back to that thing to keep keep us kind of our minds on what where we're at, and even 
I like how they did. You like how they had they okay? They are planning to do it these days, but then that one scrubbed. Yep. So now we changing. moved it down, and then mm-hmm. it moves to Wednesday, and then it's ah, it's not going to happen Wednesday. Yeah. 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 I thought it was a really effective way to structure. You got sixty hours or something like that of total footage, and almost eight here. How are you going to tell a story? And so we know what yeah. the story is. Where the Beatles have said they're going to do a con- you know film and uh, go back to basics and do a concert somewhere that's Mm -hmm. the end game so how do we get there yeah and then it's all these steps and i think that's a it's a good way to keep going back to the calendar and each day is momentous there's so much stuff that happens whether it's george quitting the band that day or them having the conversation uh with in the with the flower pot situation or there's the sitting in twickenham with with paul kind of seeing the end of the beatles or yeah and on yeah. yoko then the, the jamming with yoko i mean so each day something big happens yeah and so i like the way he did it the the other thing that strikes me is it just just so clearly and they state this they're completely completely there's nobody in charge and they don't really even have a plan for the and and michael lindsey hogg and some of the comments that we got didn't quite like michael lindsey hogg seemed like a jerk (laughs) but i put yourself in his shoes though it's like you've been told that you're leading up to maybe doing a tv special and then you show up there and nobody has any idea what the hell's going on. No plan. The whole no. time. <laughs> they even can they keep talking about different plans? We'll get to some of that here yeah. in a minute. But it's just like a chaos. Yes. And, yes. and why that? Why did they even show up without any kind of idea what to do? I it just it's mind boggling that they it went is. through with this process and showed up and then they. They moved to the studio and that's a good that's a, that the studio is a disaster because they hired some nutcase Ma- magic Alex magic Alex, which if you've read the book, oh, the Glimpses Craig Brown the book, Eagles, yeah. Craig Brown book, there's a whole chapter in there about how much of a lunatic <laughs> con man magic Alex is. And there, you know, they show that prototype guitar for magic that was great with the bass guitar, the idiotic looking, stupid thing that no one would ever use. Uh, just, laughable that they were like oh yeah build us a studio magic yeah. alex you yeah. know what you're doing <laughs> so just to uh you know it's it's absolute and we know we know that that extends to apple yeah that extends to they so uh, also in this so easily conned by the world's uh, uh nastiest con man yeah alan, alan klein, klein. How did you feel? Uh, just one more thing before we get in. How did you yeah. feel about the Alan Klein stuff being included uh, here? And and I because I did feel like some of these things, like the Magic Alex and the uh, Alan Klein, and uh, a couple of the other things, were sort of like presented as if, well, you know what happens here. Yeah, yeah. So for the lay person, I, I think they would need further research or an, a a supplemental documentary to understand the significance of like okay we're, we're having a oh i had a meeting and it, it was so great yeah and yeah. then glenn johnson's like stay away from this guy <laughs> yeah. i think it was good to to bring that in but you're right they somebody who doesn't know the beatles story very well is not going to realize what a i think a lot of us were thinking when john was talking about how great 
Alan Klein was and how he really wanted to meet him. And all of us were saying, no, no, don't <laughs> do it. Don't do yeah. it. Cause we know what's going to happen, but yeah. that, yeah, there's some loose ends. And another one that I would add to is I don't think the name Phil Spector appeared anywhere. You know, what, what happened? You know, we don't know what happened with all this he, stuff. At the yeah. End. They sort of yada, yada yeah. the, recording the rest of the album. Right. And then that's it. And then yeah. there's no there's no further documentary. Uh, with, and maybe that is the it's just like, well, this documentary is just this footage, just the month. But still, you and, could at and, least say, yeah, you know, at the end when they're doing the what happens next, something like, well, all this would be released in 1970 it, with Phil Spector, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I'm not sure that there's not going to be another documentary, by the way, Dave. Because I feel like there's still some story to be told. Yeah. We had the touring years and we had this, but there's gaps in there. There's, there's the, you know, the whole story of uh, everything with the white album. And there, there's a little of that with, I, I loved the whole sequence, Paul's footage that he had filmed from india yeah, from uh, india and mm-hmm. talking about the footage and we're seeing the footage yes and john's like i've shot some stuff too i want john lennon yeah and they shot john lennon, <laughs> john lennon productions was, yeah. yeah and he's and then it goes to black and it and it comes back and it's a uh, monkey's uh yeah, having sex humping each other right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah so that uh, the the big thing that i kept coming back to through this whole situation was the timing that they had just released the white album and here they're going to do this show and there's no songs from the white album really being discussed like it was just put away and they'd only had december because it came out in november so december and then here we are new year's and we're going to start completely from scratch yeah something here and you know you just release this enormous two album set and well, you, know, you can tell. Was, was it even a good idea, you know, to to go back right away and now start from scratch? I don't. I think don't so. think so. And they no. were sort of rushed it, and they're trying to rush it in before Ringo's got to shoot his movie. Right. They don't right. have a plan. They don't really. They don't know. <laughs> they all we know is that Paul, particularly, really wants to do some live show or something. Yeah. Yeah. And he thinks, oh, doing the live show will get us back doing back together kind of is mm-hmm. what how i interpreted it yeah. and that maybe that would have because it did seem as we go on through the documentary that they're getting along better playing martin. really well yes and george martin <laughs> even says that at the end of episode two he says uh, to paul he's like oh you guys are really getting on well you know this is how how it used to be or kind of make some comment like that so yeah. they and they were you could tell they were having fun and and then they yeah. they do go on from this and make a yeah. <laughs> classic album yeah. with with Abbey Road. And I think had this been treated just had they been like, all right, well, let's abandon this uh, idea of doing a show and let's record a really good album that they would have gotten a good album out of this. Sure. Rather than the sort of slap shod sat around and waited for the documentary to come out and then we got to bring a guy in to kind of piece together something that sounds like a, an actual album that will sell, which is what we got, which is still a pretty good album because it's still got pretty good songs on it. But anyway, I wanted to ask you, what did you feel about this rapid fire history of the Beatles? That was at the beginning. 
a couple of minor inaccuracies in there. One of our listeners pointed out. Yeah, there were some inaccuracies. And so one, one of our listeners, Nick, pointed out at the very beginning, it seemed to state that Ringo had just joined the Beatles when Brian Epstein saw them at the cavern when it happened in the other order. Yeah. So, yeah. for example, that uh, I, I thought it was superfluous. I don't think it was necessary. And it, it, to me, I, I skimmed through it. I, I didn't not the first time, but the second time I didn't even watch it uh, because it, I don't know how helpful it was to bring that up to date to people. Do you think it was helpful? They don't do an, a, anything at the end. No, no or any kind of it sort of rushes into the like it, they don't really take any time on any of it. so it just sort of rushes through their whole history but i did th- i maybe they felt like they had to just to kind of set you up particularly that okay one of the big things you need to know is that uh mr epstein Yes, which is, they kept calling him Mr. Uh, Epstein. Uh, is uh, no longer with us. Yes, and that the Beatles weren't performing anymore yeah. live. So and it gave some context, I guess. Maybe that was kind of what led up to this. Yes, and another comment we got from Jackson. He said, I thought watching it is probably a different experience for people who read Tune In versus yeah. those who haven't. As I was watching, I found my mind kept going back to how they met and started playing and their shared experiences in Hamburg, John and Paul's songwriting process, the difference between their northern Liverpool vibe and the stuffy London sycophants in the (laughs) studio with them. Um, And that what we are watching is a continuation of a mostly unbroken collaboration. And and so I thought maybe maybe that comment is is why they felt like it's necessary to show. Well, it's sort of a, a timeline that's just like rapid as rapid fire yeah. as can be. And here we are arriving here and we're just we just arrived here rather than they took some time off. And yeah, because they didn't take any time off as I just we just talked about that. They yeah. just kept going. And then this was the next thing with the new year. So, yeah. Yeah, so everyone has known about Twickenham Studios as a, a those were dismal. That's the word on the street even before we saw this that those were dismal sessions. It was a cavernous place to record and play. It was cold, it was yeah. dark. Um and that a lot of that was true actually. It turned yeah. out to be the case. Looked not very inviting. They show up here too. They show up on day 1. Nobody likes the sound they're getting. That's obvious. Yeah. And I think they're doing their best with uh, uh, Glenn Johns and Mal Evans. Oh, that's the other thing. They introduce everybody. Mal, yeah. Michael Lindsay Hogg is sort of a character in the film, <laughs> even though he's filming everything. Glenn Johns and, uh, you know, George Martin is there sometimes. Always he's, looking very dapper, I might add. He's always got his <laughs> coat and tie on. And, um. and they've got some songs going like uh, uh, John's got uh, Don't Let Me Down before Paul even uh, shows up. And yep. they got a rough I've got a feeling. And, you know, they don't even have equipment there. No. On no. day one. No, they had to get George's eight track recorder in and they, they could show it coming off. The, that's actually kind of funny when they, they show yeah. it coming off the truck. And then when George quits, <laughs> quote unquote, quits, then it's back on the truck. <laughs> And then yeah. it comes back. So <laughs> yeah. that's kind of funny. 
but yeah, they don't even have a, the right equipment, and they're always ta- they're talking about that we can't hear ourselves, and where's the PA? And, uh, uh, yeah, but they we do get some of the songs right away. Two of us don't let me down, and I've got a feeling. And uh, and then they're also uh, talking about the amphitheater idea. Oh yes, what did you think of this amphitheater idea that they do it out in a in a sort of like amphitheater by the sea? uh how did that strike you because it reminded me of something it did and especially the visual they showed of i think it was in libya was that right uh they showed an open amphitheater and it looked like something that would actually happen uh the next year or year after wasn't uh with pink floyd in pompeii yeah which is a thing a phenomenal a thing and it seems to me well you could have just done that like go yeah, out, yeah. Gone out on that amphitheater with nobody there recorded your stuff taken as long as you wanted to and and film your performance over and over and i'm not sure if pink floyd just did it all in one take or if they did multiple takes or anything but yeah. uh, but anyway they don't they don't want to do that particularly ringo doesn't want to go abroad and I thought it was a funny little quip from Paul. He's like, maybe we'll just do it with Jimmy Nickel. Yeah, that's <laughs> and that, it's <laughs> things like that that I love the, the kind of going back to their history. And, and Jimmy Nickel comes back later because he he uh, couldn't come in on time because he was checking out the women. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just up there looking at the birds. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that that kind of self history, just in describing their own shared past, like Jackson uh, wrote. And then on day two here, uh, Ringo's taking a trip to Carolina. Song comes yeah. out. That's, that was it. Pretty interesting. Yeah, they're looking at a Beatles magazine. That was kind of funny. Um, and did, then they, was, did you find it interesting that they were because that, that they really kept uh, harping on that? Uh, you know, this is something we didn't really know that the Beatles were so sensitive to criticism, or that they were, you know, they were, and they were having fun with it because it was kind of a ridiculous story. But that the fact yeah. that that they were, you hear a lot of famous people say, "I never read the reviews. I never read articles about me." Well, they did, and we saw it several yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and we a uh, great sequence later which will come up when we when we get to that. So I I thought it was really interesting here though. They're like, "Well, we we got to do material for this live show. They've still all got the live show in their mind." And they've got two or three songs floating around, but they're like, "Hey, why don't we take a look back in our old catalog at old stuff?" So they play just fun because I know you love me. So thinking of Lincoln, won't you please say goodbye? And one after nine Oh nine, which everybody like George particularly really likes that one. Yeah. And Paul's like, oh, I'm just working out what that was about. Like when we were played <laughs> it before, I didn't even know what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how we get one after nine Oh nine eventually being part of this process is this idea of like, well, if we got to play a live show, maybe we play an old something we just never used. Another like great moment in day two here is the Harry Lime theme from the Thin Man. Yeah, yeah. John playing it John's really on great. The guitar there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. So that's sort of day two for me. Uh, there was uh, they did a little a fun. They are also talking about, well, maybe we'll do 
they worked on give me some truth and then george they were all work on uh, all things must john on the organ and 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 they've got some great harmony vocals there this is one of the things is like george should have just kept in coming in the next day and like hey can we get can we do all things must pass let's do it again because they really had something there, I thought. Yeah, I like that version. Uh, it, there's a lot of outtakes of them trying to get it right, but they, you remember the one on, uh, was it on the Let It Be set? I think that didn't sound very good. It was sort of goofing around, or Paul couldn't get the harmonies, or like they weren't taking it seriously. But if George would, yeah, would have said, "Hey, come on, get your part, work yeah. on it, and and step back at it," then maybe. It could have been something because it was. I like the organ part. I like it sounded great, but yeah, yeah, just moved on. They also don't know at this point if they'll do some old songs, right, for the show. So they talk about every little thing, and then uh, they play kind of a fun version of "I'm So Tired," and everybody looks real tired too. Yeah, so that, <laughs> that's the end of day two there. Mm-hmm. Uh, day three, that's when they roll in that eight track. Uh, they talk a little about Magic Alex. So, oh, Magic Alex is building a, a studio for us. It's going to be great. But there was like hardly any. I mean, they worked a lot on Don't Let Me Down. Two of us. They're working on two of us for a long time. Not very well. Not very well. Oh, oh, with the Don't Let Me Down, they work on that. Those vocal additions. Oh, it was yeah. like love for the first time in my life (laughs) that's what frustrates i think that's what gets everybody frustrated because they it gets it doesn't work well and it's going nowhere and they're not getting it right and it doesn't sound right and they're getting frustrated so then it when when they get back to two of us and paul does his thing that's when we get that george thing yes the whole context of uh the, the row between them uh, so it's that is helpful getting the much more of the context and a, you see the full discussion too instead of just the part that was clipped in the movie with the i'll play whatever you want me to play or, yeah and, and the george how do you what do you think of the what's your takeaway from the george and paul dynamic even in these early days i don't know it's it's if uh, I think it's just, I think it's stated best in part two during that amazing uh, secret microphone. The flower pot thing, conversation. Where it's like, we've let it fester. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the thing is that it's not just Paul, it's Paul and John. Right. And Paul and John always checking in with each other all the time on everything. But it's sort of that they're highlighting that these two talk to each other and then kind of spout over some orders to... <laughs> george rather than oh you know what he's an adult now let's 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 fold him into all of the discussions before we and and later you see him being a lot more active and a lot more like you know oh what if you do this here and do that he's contributing yeah yeah whereas he's not really contributing at the point that he's being shut down by paul he's paul just keeps trying to work something out on a song that was his idea. I don't know. It's kind of that ownership thing of like, are we a group? Are we truly a group or is this my song? Right. Right. And I think George expresses his frustration by basically saying, you don't annoy me anymore. I'm tired of being, I'm already, I'm past that. You, you, I'm just like, you've annoyed me for years now. (laughs) And you know, I'm just not going to 
let it bother me as much anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Start of day four. This is January 7th. They, they also give you the, they don't really give you the dates they do on the calendar, but they keep saying like the day, but this is on January 7th. This one starts with that amazing kind of viral moment, Dave, that's been going around. Yeah. You can see it on Twitter. Everybody like everywhere just going crazy about Paul just kind of dicking around on in the base. Yeah. And he's on the bass too. It's not yes. like playing a guitar or on the piano or anything. And he's just searching for a new song and he comes, boom, here's Get Back. And you've got George <laughs> and Ringo sitting there kind of adding along and Ringo singing and yeah. George is kind of figuring it out on the guitar. And yeah. And then suddenly George says, Yeah, that, that's great. Musically, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Ringo starts clapping yeah, a clapping little mm-hmm. and you can just like see like oh this is yep this a is song we is got born. we got a yeah. song so yeah just fantastic so and that that just reiterates what we were saying earlier about Paul firing on all cylinders that he just was unbelievably oh, so good so yeah. good yeah musically wow and you know there's we'll talk about Yoko a little bit of course because she's a big subject here but something you don't see that I remember from the book uh, about this is that Yoko has a lot of contributions to the show idea that are not here. And they're mm-hmm. kind of like ridiculous ideas. She says, let's play to an empty stadium. Let's just play to a, I don't know, play to the sea or something kind of just ridiculous ideas, but she's never, but so she was actually much more, she did say stuff about this show, but that that's not shown in here yeah but i don't think that those ideas are any more ridiculous than somebody well, exactly. bringing, bringing right. up doing it f- for a, a hospital they said let's do it for sick kids but not really sick kids right it's like what does that yeah. mean it was all ridiculous you know? and yeah. uh, so you know and the amphitheater idea was would have been kind of an empty oh well uh, playing to an empty stadium is a better idea than <laughs> putting a bunch of people on a boat yeah, that, that was the worst. That might have been the worst idea. <laughs> the boat. George was really not George having it. He's like, that not is, having it. He's like, he calls it crazy. Yes. Which it is. So uh, that was the worst idea. Mal Evans playing the, um, so, uh, like, they're about to go on lunch and they're like, Mal, get a hammer and an anvil. <laughs> you can see Mal sort of like, what? And then, boom, here he is with a hammer and an anvil. <laughs> Is Mal like the the most unsung hero of this whole production that he's he does everything. He's getting the food. He's writing lyrics for Paul. He's helping with the lyrics. Yeah. He gets a, uh, the bow tie for George. He's getting the yeah. anvil. I mean, he's he's everywhere. Yeah, he's a fun, a fun character. And I know that, you know, his uh, life ended a little more tra- tragically. By the way, a it's... friend of the show is writing a book about yes, him, right? Ken Womack is going to be, uh, was given the the diaries and all the information from the Mal Evans estate. So I think in 2023 or something, we'll be yeah. getting much more information about Mal. So that'll be really helpful. We'll definitely have to uh, get him back on to yes. talk uh, Mal Evans uh, definitely. in full. Because, uh, you know, I think he was he, one of the bad signs of uh, Alan Klein is that, one of the first things Alan Klein does is try to fire yeah. Mel Evans and people won't have it. Like what? No, no. All the guys closest to the Beatles. Yeah. 
So they do Maxwell Silver Hammer and then another thing here. And I finally kind of figured it out of like why across the universe was ever oh yeah included yeah. is they're listening to they listen to across the universe on on uh, their old record player or something and then they try it with some backup vocals and stuff and it could have worked yeah you know yeah. and then dave five day five george and ringo talking about what tv they watched last <laughs> night yeah very interesting and that was really interesting because that's how like, oh, I was watching this thing and it went into a waltz. And and so I wrote this song. Hey, do you want to hear the song I wrote last night? <laughs> Just a short thing. And it's I, me, mine. So, yeah, that's uh, something I certainly didn't know. I didn't look in my copy of, uh, of I, me, mine uh, to see <laughs> if that was in there. But but to have that and they I like mm-hmm. how he showed the TV listings for the day. And yeah, they were talking about it was a. I forget there was was it a detective show or a mystery or something and then yeah like some into, space show and yeah then, space show that's right and then yeah. it went into something about these rich government or parliament people and kind of rich and famous people and george turned off the tv at that point yeah well yeah. and the, uh, he says hilariously said i don't care if you want it or not it can go and be musical yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then john shows up and paul's like have you read anything else we're going to have a crisis, but they do. A, they do a silly kind of more rocking version of tools. And then they do. Don't let me down more full version of that. And I've, I've got a feeling they do a, a funny little stand by me. They do Maxwell silver hammer with when the guitar is falling down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, when again, John singing at the piano. I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then they do I Me Mine in full with uh, drums and bass, and John and Yoko are doing that waltzing around. Yes, they're dancing. Yeah. Such a beautiful moment. I feel. Yeah. yeah. You're not the uh, Yoko hater that some people still, even in our comments, yeah. still seem to be. They, I feel like Yoko was really vindicated by this this whole I, thing. Yes. Now, now, of course, as I mentioned, there we don't we haven't seen every piece of footage, but certainly yeah. from way way better than what we've been led to believe as well as the fact that that the other Beatles were seemed just fine with participating with her singing and playing music with her and having a good time so Linda uh, shows up Linda's there yeah Uh, Linda's daughter's there yeah you know so Maureen was one day Maureen was there so it's not not just that Yoko was there and being disruptive otherwise it was just the four of them but anyway they do think for a minute about doing the show at Twickenham and they talk about this special called around the Beatles yes which I remember watching on video and I really thought that that was interesting because Paul was like, somebody approaches Paul about the idea and he's like, take all that stuff over to John. He, he knows what he's doing as far as set design stuff. And as soon as it's brought up to John, John's got like, well, if we make these plastic, but he's got, you know, he's got all these great ideas. And that's when I think that Yoko it can be a contributor and can like actually have some decent ideas to throw in there yeah. of how to make if if they were going to build a set or something how to make it like unique and kind of interesting meanwhile while they're talking about that michael's over trying to pitch ringo get all that amphitheater uh <laughs> thing 
going and then George, George, George eventually, you know, that leads to that boat thing. And George yeah. says, yeah. this is completely insane. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to Thursday. This is day six. Linda Eastman shows up. Paul's playing another day, plays a long and winding road for the first time. He doesn't even have the second verse of that to get, to go from there. they like two weeks later to have the version we have on the album. It's just amazing. And this is where I think uh, once again, Mal Mal's there with him and kind of like, well, what if you do standing? He contributes. Yeah. So he contributes to the lyrics. Why he doesn't get a credit on it. I don't know. I don't know. Michael and Linda uh, talking there. Like I adore Ringo. <laughs> yeah yeah so that's kind of nice uh we get golden slumbers carry that weight is introduced but as an idea of a ringo comedy ringo. song yes yes for ringo comedy song and then we get that awesome and really one of the highlights i think of the episode and it plays at the very end credits too is the castle of the king of the bird george drumming Yes. On it. Then we do. They're doing get back, but they're thinking of it as a what is this song about? They're talking about that. And then and just then in the newspapers, it's talking about anti-immigrant views. So I had no idea of any of this. Did you? Oh, yeah. uh, yes. That, yes. That, uh, get back started as an anti-immigrant protest song. Yeah, it's called No Pakistanis, I believe, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And then they eventually drop all that. And it just is sort of like, you know. Tucson, Arizona and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. but get back and that doing that sort of anti-immigration thing leads right into, at least in the film, Commonwealth. Yes. (laughs) Commonwealth. You're much too common for me. They get a great laugh out of that. That's a John lyric suggestion. And then John constantly going, yes. Yep. So that's funny. And then, uh, she came in through the bathroom window uh, with uh, Paul and John joking around. A lot of fun that day, it seemed mm-hmm. like, because you got Susie Parker, House of the Rising Sun. You know, they're just like going on and on. And then Letta B's introduced for the first time. John's standing up trying to play bass, and he's trying to work on it with Glenn John's help. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then Yoko, and you can see Yoko and Linda chatting and having a good time. So it seems like everything's great. Yeah, yeah. Day four, and then we got one more day here, though. We should say a little bit about Glenn Johns. Uh, does he not have the coolest outfits and the like, hippest looking glasses and the fringe jackets? And <laughs> yeah, he looks super cool. Particularly the there's like a day where it was the last day there, and and just Paul was there to record a demo, and Glenn Johns is all dressed up to the nines and has some cool glasses on and stuff. So sort of Elton John, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then day seven, Friday, Dick James is in there talking oh, about yeah. their publishing rights. It's interesting because you see Paul particularly is interested in all these songs. And he mentions that, that Dick James, I think had bought a whole bunch of new songs or new catalogs. And so he was showing him what was in the, the catalog. And one of the songs was, a relative of Paul's favorite song. And it was part of the McCartney family mm. parties. And, and so you, and you, of course, then we find out, you know, later we know that Paul has made a lot of money off buying publishing. And so even back then he was very interested once his in-laws 
kind of told him this is a good way to make money. So I, I like the J- Dick James stuff. I don't, they have a interesting relationship and I know he didn't give them a very good deal and they got kind of screwed, but mm-hmm. they seem to respect him or they all say, hello, Dick, and good to see you and all that. And then something happens here. Paul is like, they're working on get back and everybody seems to be in good spirits, but Paul and John are just like really working real close together in this section. And then uh, Paul's trying to say something about a chord and rhythm. And he does do another don't play to George kind of the thing that set George off the first time. Mm -hmm. And then George has a little, thing like you only need one guitar you need eric clapton he says that and then they go back to playing two of us and there's another long john and paul just like working real real closely and then george is like sitting smoking he's not paying much attention and then he just gets up and he's like i think i'll be leaving the band now when now get a replacement and apparently he walks out out of the studio and it's like see you around the clubs yeah the clubs and then they come back after lunch and the first thing said is by john and john says i'm so pissed and then every song that they play in this section with no george is like fueled with this sort of like angry kind of like they do an angry i've got a feeling and don't let me down and then joko gets on the mic you know <laughs> how that's gonna go yeah very aggressive Uh, and paul's on drums pounding away yeah so it's just like uh and then they do a very silly maxwell silmore hammer and they're just trying to but you can tell that they're shocked and upset and then they decide to meet meet on him sunday and it says it does not go well end of part one right and that brings up you know at the end of part one here john he looked pretty zoned out i would say for the first part at least for a couple of days, there was one segment. Do you remember that one segment where the camera just stared at him and he was just looks so out of it. Yeah. There's yeah. way he shows up. They have, he hasn't even changed his clothes from the yeah. day before. And he's like, well, it'll be a con- You'll look right. And we'll look like we're changing clothes every couple minutes. Huh? Yeah. But <laughs> it's sort of like, well, he stayed up partying and a couple of the commenters mentioned how, out of it he seemed and seemed like yeah. he was on whatever you know he was on heroin at that time yeah. so that's just part one dave so yeah so what was your feeling at this point at the end of part one well it was, a, it was brilliant directing it leave him on a cliffhanger here you've lost one of the members of the band so you got to come back and watch part two and yeah. it just highlighted a lot of the the problems with having no leadership and having no goals apart from this vague show and it you could see it just was all over the place and they get george had enough of paul trying to be in charge john was just sitting there goofing around or not participating do you think it was that that's one question i had it's always set up like well george left because of paul yeah but I don't know if it was because of Paul. I think it was because just as equally because of John. Exactly. And if he, I get the sense and the part two starts on day eight here with one. Uh, and I'm, the reason I'm, I'm jumping into that is because Paul has this real long kind of positive talk about Yoko. Mm-hmm. But she's great. She really is all right. 
And it's fine if, but I think he's bringing that up there because it seems like George might be more upset about Yoko. Yes. Than we had ever suspected. Yes. And that, and maybe he gets over that uh, as the years go on because they, you know, play, you know, how do you sleep and all that stuff together later. I think maybe George was, didn't like Yoko being around maybe. And Paul didn't mind so much. Or at least he wouldn't say it out loud yeah. or didn't let it show. And yeah. Because of course, Linda's there uh, for a few days, but I think that's a great point. And I I think there might be something to that because George always talked about how he and John had this special relationship because they were the two who took LSD together first. And he said, we always could just look at each other and, and there was a different, like we knew each other in a different way. And I wonder if by that point he had gotten kind of frustrated that he lost his friend, whereas Paul, Paul knew it was happening and tried to make the best of it because that's what Paul does. So I think that's an interesting point. I'd like to hear what other people think about that. But it, but it's clear from the flower pot conversation, which happens in episode two, that uh, it is both John and Paul's responsibility in a way for George, be, be, you know, feeling the way he does. And yeah, they both have issues. And Paul's sort of waxing that you know, well, we are we have grown distant, and. Uh, he has that idea of like, it's a news show and there's different things from the news and us playing. And then the last bit of news is the Beatles have broken up Yeah, and you see the look <laughs> on Ringo's face. He's just like, hates this idea. Like I hate, hates this whole thing. Yeah. So that was a long segment that you have the, all of them sitting around. So yeah. you've got Michael you have Ringo, Paul, Linda, and a few other people were around yeah. there too, maybe Mal or Neil. And they're sort of talking about the future because they can't get John. He's not answering the phone. Yeah. He's been up all night again or something. So they're just sort of sitting around. What, what are we doing here? Can't really figure out again, leaderless, rudderless at this yeah. point. But then we get this amazing, amazing lunchtime. John comes in and then we <laughs> hidden Mike. Just John and Paul conversation, just a, a tremendous conversation about the dynamics in the group. Uh, Paul saying, John, you've always been boss and I've been secondary boss. Mm-hmm. What do you think of all that? Fascinating. I mean, I'll say I thought Michael Lindsay Hogg was very irritating for most of this whole series, but he did one great thing, which was plant this microphone there because it allows us to glimpse something that we couldn't know about. And it's fascinating. You see the relationships they're talking about John or talking about George, but then you also get the dynamics between the two of them. And John's expressing frustration that Paul's ordering people what to do on songs and telling them what to play and all of that. And then vice versa, Mm -hmm. Paul's frustrated that John's not participating as much and, so it, it, it's an, it seems like a very honest conversation. Yeah. And that, that's really valuable for giving us the context of what George is up to and why he's not there. Yeah. It seemed like a great chat. And then they just, they decide, well, we'll 
talk to George on Wednesday when we can get to him because he's out down Tuesday or something. And then they rehearse a little, working on the lyrics for Get Back, and they finally kind of, um, and that, that part was really great because they're like, JoJo, jo- Jenkins? No, JoJo. <laughs> they're, like, they're like trying yeah. to cut, like Tucson, is Tucson in Arizona? They don't know. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought all that was kind of cool. So, um, and then Tuesday comes long day nine. Paul's uh, playing around. He does Martha, my dear. Yeah, he's and- teaching. He's kind of explaining to one of the the stagehand or, or kind of gophers. Yeah, uh, explaining how he writes a song, and he's yeah. It's just it's a cool. I like that. That's a cool moment. Yeah, and the guy, that guy's convinced. He's like, I, I'm going to go buy a piano. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in fact, uh, I bought a piano the other day as a made-up song that they. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, woman. Yeah, that was a Peter and Gordon song, so it was written for Peter Asher to to sing. So that, yeah, that yeah. Was... So getting Paul singing that was cool. Mm-hmm. I wrote this one this morning, and it was the backseat of my car. Yeah, man. I just a a wonderful segment. Uh, Peter Sellers shows up, and, and Peter Peter <laughs> Sellers. It's it's the least exciting peter sellers has ever been yes uh but john is just in a mode <laughs> of so awkward. just totally it. hamming it up for the camera <laughs> meanwhile rigo sitting right next to it is sick like yeah. clearly visibly just like <laughs> i'm not feeling good but john keeps rattling off beatles lyrics just randomly and paul's there talking about work ethic yeah. need a goal need a something to need do a schedule yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That is laughs> and the- <laughs> john says uh, uh talking about makes a joke and then yoko's like what's that what are you talking about and he's like uh the boy scouts are not allowed to masturbate <laughs> and he's like you don't go blind but very short-sighted believe me <laughs> so that funny. whole segment was just so great with the with peter sellers looking so awkward and yeah and John's firing off these non sequiturs <laughs> and just random comments. And yeah, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they do mean mustard, mustard and madman, and then call today. And then they go see George and that turns the tide. Yes. They have a positive meeting. They're like, okay, no live TV special. Screw that. And we're leaving Twickenham. So last yep. day of Twi- Twickenham, Paul pops in to record oh darling so then we're setting up for moving to emi so well before we before we move on i do think think that there's like some bigger things to talk about some things that pointed out and so this might be a good time to fold some of these comments in and also to talk just about some some other things that stood out to us before we kind of leave uh twickenham because i feel like that the twickenham we saw before in the let it be documentary in the twickenham we uh here i think i have a slightly more positive feeling about twick twickenham just that we got to see more things like what were like some of the things we i i feel like it it showed them more as humans in twickenham in twickenham yeah yeah because they were out of their element and they were in their they're in a foreign setting Whereas when they go to Apple Studios, their building, their it's their home. So this was very different. The fact that they were out of their element. Yeah, looking at 
you know, some of the, the comments that you all mentioned here, just the, the realism of the things that you see from the types of cigarettes they're smoking to the, the clothes, to the people that were all there in and out of things, the songs taking shape, especially the obvious ones we've talked about so far, uh, interactions between the two, utter joy of Mal Evans face as we've said john continually referring to old songs yeah i i yeah i yeah i think i it's funny because i think people's opinions are different because we were talking about how much more uh positively we felt about paul than we had and here's uh one of our listeners saying he just seems like he's an ass and (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's another person who saying Oh, John and Yoko seem real out of it. Whereas, right. whereas here's uh, somebody is saying that they didn't seem as out of it. So I think, it, I think it's sort of like I have the beholder on some of this uh, stuff. Yeah, I think that's true. Now, certainly as we get to Apple studios, the atmosphere changes and the whole dynamic, the work dynamic, everything sort of changes. You, you had written down some thoughts there. Yeah. One of which being, and this is stuff that we saw at Twickenham, like the smoking. Yeah. Oh my God. And the drinking. <laughs> oh. And and the eating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you like the toast? You like the little toast holders <laughs> and the jam? And then they talk about the, oh, I'm gonna have this jam today and that jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it must have smelled awful in that studio with Paul smoking <laughs> Paul and Michael Lindsay Hogg with cigars at times. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, everyone else smoking constantly and drinking. No matter, no, no wonder nothing got done. They're yeah, kind of give me a beer, Mal. Give me some wine. I yeah. want some white wine. Uh, it's it, hard to do much, but yeah. So little observations about things like that. Yeah. Well, Blair from New York, for instance, br- brings up. Well, he said, "I don't mind the length of the series. I could have watched them paint." <laughs> uh and be delighted but he was bringing up their clothes you know that particularly ringo and george's clothes are yeah. like really uh st- something else of course they're more wearing like coats and stuff at twickenham and then when they get to george is wearing like the coolest like <laughs> carnaby street type yes. outfit one of the and that hat when they, uh, you know that's the first day they didn't, wouldn't let cameras in but you get those everybody arriving, which we see, of yeah. course, in the Let It Be movie. Yep. Uh, so that's pretty, that's some pretty cool stuff. So a few more fun things that I noticed or just wanted to mention the Hare Krishnas at the beginning. Of, oh, yeah. Twickenham when and John's like, who are they? Oh, I think they're George's friends. I think they're the Hare Krishnas. I must, they must really be bored or something. <laughs> and they send flowers ahead to George one day and they didn't know that George has quit. Yes. <laughs> That was a funny moment. The in the the fact they were so young at this time, they were all under 30. George Martin looking fantastic uh, in his formal role yeah. and just always dressed up. You see them as normal. And uh, as we've now moved to the Apple studio stuff, John being much more active and being kind of coming to life. That may be a good place to take off now for where we are. Yeah, well, uh, you when they get there, the studio is not quite ready. No, um, and they basically have to rip out everything that uh, Magic Alex did. 
you know, they but immediately the second they get there, they're like, oh, this feels good. This feels like much better than Twickenham. At some point, uh, I think it's later, they're, they're just like, I can't wait to record here. Yeah, real positive. Yeah, they're real positive uh, there. But one thing on that first day that they're there, not really recording and, and uh, practicing, they do dig a pony. And, you know, uh, at this point, it gets to this repetitive thing. You're like, oh, this day they do get a, dig a pony. They do. I've got a feeling. <laughs> they do don't let me down same tunes you know, yeah same tunes but one thing that is brought up is like well you know we need a guy that plays piano all the time just sort of brought up there out there in the universe as an idea uh and then they they they're there on wednesday and um in drops by billy preston and, he, and he's just there and he's hanging out and then they're like, well, we're going to, you know, play something. So uh, why don't you hop on? And I think they play, um, I, I forget if they play dig a pony or I've got a feeling first. Or um, get, get back to was also get in back. Early, yeah. And it takes them about two seconds. Like, Oh, it's, I've got a feeling. Yeah. Cause as soon as he starts playing, you can see Paul's face just light up. Yep. And then as soon as they end, John says, you're in the group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So Billy, that's a huge catalyst for changing things. Yeah. And th- this is a, another myth that we had thought of. You heard these stories that, oh, George brought in Billy because you know, the, it was bad atmosphere and all of that. Well, that's not what happened. Billy just happened to be in town for another a commitment and just mm-hmm. decided to stop by and say hi and then ended up staying. So yeah. that's that's another thing that was kind of changed. But yeah, he adds a whole lot. I wish he talked more. He didn't get a lot of him talking. No, he but he just smiling lights up and smoking. Oh, he yeah. lights up the room. And and sometimes when the it, it's the playback of the a tune and they're in the uh, control room, because they do start getting set up and they start recording what they're doing. And then going and listening to it and then being like, oh, let's change this. Let's change that. A lot of the times when they're in studio, when they're recording, <laughs> it's like Billy's just smiling real big. And just, you know, just his smile, I think, sort of totally changes the atmosphere. Also changes the instrumentation on these songs and sort of shapes them into what we know now. Don't let me down, particularly. They do save the last dance for me, which yeah. sounds really great with them. And then they come in the next day, they do, oh, darling, get back, finally starts to take shape. And they're like, hey, let's have a keyboard solo here, Yeah, you know, Uh, particularly because John's having a hard time. (laughs) That was a a moment I really liked was John talking about, well, that's why they stopped giving me solos because I can't go from I can't go from solos to to singing. So So, you've got all these days that apple studios here leading up to the rooftop concert are all mm-hmm. kind of getting things more serious and they're they're actually getting some kind of rehearsal strategy it's still some fun and messing yeah. around but but you're they're actually taking the songs more seriously yeah and they really shape get back out so well that i think it's george is like let's put it out as a single yes yeah he's like let's put it out as a single day 15 friday they they're back in there i'm sort of like speeding through these a little more than i had the first half because it does get it's like okay they're working on two of us again but they 
the the key moment they switched acoustic yes and they were frustrated with it they're like it's not right as soon as they put the acoustic on they're like this is it sounds great yeah. it almost sounds like the recorded versions but yeah. even by that point another point i want to make they start to talk about how the songs actually have some thematic things like get back to where you once belong two of us on our way home Hmm. So you get this sense that if they had actually really worked it up fully, because this was a half abandoned project, really. Yeah, by honest. this point. But if they had kept working on it, they would have gotten it to be a spectacular album, I bet. Uh, and then on Saturday, uh, day 16, they work through the weekend because they're at this point, they're like, OK, we're going to next week sometime we're going to do some sort of show i think the idea has moved to maybe doing it out in the field and they don't quite have the uh idea of what they're doing yet but they're at least getting tracks down and putting one out as a single and that kind of thing um and this is where paul talks about his india film shoot we talked about that yeah. you know and they're goofing around and they do for you blue with, with john the, on the slide yeah uh, a little hawaiian also. instrument he says yeah and this is the first hint of they start to give you a little Chiron at the bottom and like, this is the version that's on the album. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay. They're finally getting there with some of these. Yeah. Now, uh, obviously they worked a little more on for you. Blue, maybe it'd <laughs> even be, you know, it's kind of a play to four times and that's the version on the album. So, but the, but the fact they're giving George, actually paying him more attention. I did notice yeah. that also through, after the big blow up. Yeah. Uh, George is much better spirits. He's participating more and they're listening to him. They're joking around with him. They're goofing around. So yeah. it is much, much improved. And that obviously carried through to the last album where he's, he might be the MVP of the last album yeah. with uh, something. And um, here comes the sun. Here yeah. comes the sun. Of course they do. Let it be. They're starting to really kind of work out, let it be. And someone suggests the roof. Uh, they're having they're trying to mill about what to do again. And then Paul and Ringo pop up to the roof. So you see them up there with the roof in it. It's not like it looks in the. So no. they obviously look like off screen, build some, some, some risers or something. And yeah nail some stuff down and you know that kind of thing so were you um, getting nervous like i was when paul and ringo were just like so close to the edge they were standing and yeah. looking down and maybe yeah. a little nervous there but yeah it was a, yeah they had to build wooden planks and and get some stability because it would go right through the roof yeah that is all of part two I mean, part two was lengthier the lengthiest of the three and maybe part two i feel might be a little too long it drags a little because yeah. and, and why it is is because it's like they really genuinely are trying to take you through i feel like take you through the process of these songs being built up yeah yeah so and it's really effective and you can see just the the joy when they're in the recording booth and all singing along and clapping and just and george martin's sitting there and they're listening back to themselves and it's like, okay, maybe we can salvage this whole thing. Maybe it will actually turn yeah. into something. Jim, longtime listener from California. He, he says, amazing that Billy Preston was basically a walk on coming in to say, I had an electric impact on things. And you could see clearly as they lit up when he played so cool. When John tells 
Billy are in the group. And when Paul asks Billy if he doesn't mind coming in, like, oh, you've just been showing up. We didn't. Yeah, we no, that's right. We got to pay you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Talking about how to structure his contract at some point, I think. When we get into part three, also in Jim's comments is the old brown shoe where oh, George yeah. and George is uh, playing or- old brown shoe, shoe and uh, Billy helps him with some court. What's this cord? You know? Yeah. Um, and then Paul comes in and gets into it. He's like, oh, what are you working on? Oh, yeah. yeah. So he starts to get into it as well. And then Heather comes in and um, and John's like, oh, you don't eat cats that are uh, striped. (laughs) And she's like, no, you don't eat any cats. And, you know, she's like shouting into the mic and John goes, Yoko. Yeah, like Yoko. Exactly. (laughs) Then they start working up long and winding road. They tweak it. And then once again, this one appears on the album. So they they they're starting to really get like good versions of these things, you know. Monday, that's when we get old brown shoe. We get uh, oh, darling, that's the one that we get with the Yoko divorce. Yes, with the yep. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. nice to see. Free at last. Yeah. yeah, and they're getting some finishing touches on like Let It Be, Long and Windy Road, Don't Let Me Down. Stry- Paul playing Strawberry Fields on the piano. That was a cool moment. Yeah. Is this the one? Is this the day they have the article about their yes. fight? And Paul is uh, <laughs> Paul does a hilarious them. sort of like thing where he reads the article in or, sort of a newsman's voice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, while well, there's musical background and it's very funny. Ton of takes to get back on day eighteen, day nineteen. Something appears. We get uh that. John has met with Alan Klein and he's going to meet him again. Play I Want You, Half a Pound of Grease Paint, which is a goofy <laughs> little nugget with Paul doing a sort of Cockney voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the key one is they nail the Don't Let Me Down take that's on the single on, on that day. I liked how they would say on the, the Chiron at the bottom, it would say, this is the version that appeared as the single. This is the version that appeared on the album. Let it be that because it all sound to us. It sounds we know that, but it, I think it's helpful to have that yeah. stated and to see it. Day 20, Wednesday, Glenn John's Bug by Alan Klein. Good read, Glenn John's. <laughs> Good to listen to Glenn John's. Uh, he's a huckster, but he's working for a huckster that's working for us. Yes. I don't think they say huckster, but I'm no con man. Yeah. Something like that. But he's our con man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they're still talking about going on the roof or not. George is like, I don't want to go on the roof. And Ringo's like, I'd like to go on the roof. And then John says he wants to go on the roof. So I think that that's, uh, starting to get a, uh, consensus so they're like okay what do we got and they're going through the songs but dig it's in the running order like they're they're like oh yeah dig it oh we're gonna do dig it for sure is that when john starts uh, reading all of the songs that they've been working oh on yeah they do dig it with like <laughs> don't know, let me down don't let me know and I've a got couple a of feeling. a couple of songs have weird like particularly george's songs they never actually get titles from it no but there there is the George and John moment where George talks about doing an album on his own. Yep. Which yep. I think is I why didn't they just do like at this point? Why didn't they just like guys, guess what? We should take some time off. I'll go do our own albums and then come back together in a couple a couple, you know. 
Yeah. Well, Maybe they, they would have successfully done that. Had yeah, I think they could have. That yeah, that's an interesting segment that was also on the Let It Be set. And there's a point I think it might have been an episode two, but George talks about when Billy's there, he says something like, "Why don't we ask Bob Dylan to join? He can join the band, and let's get Eric Clapton, all these other people. We could just be this big group." And then Paul says, "No, it's it's bad enough with four people. So, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, so that's not going to happen." But but yeah, they're they're positive again, and it's moving towards yeah. this rooftop thing yeah john and and billy are doing a jam of of i want you and then they do that hilarious uh, this, this is the last thing on wednesday which is like really the last of these lengthy jams that we've gotten it's the full two of us but with clenched teeth yes that was very funny <laughs> yeah that was very fun john looks completely deranged yes and then the big highlight day yeah a 21 thursday big moment it's the rooftop concert they tell you how many cameras are 10 cameras there's a hidden camera next to debbie the receptionist yes there's one camera across the road on the roof and they they tune up they just go up tune up and go for it yeah and you get yeah. you get a full get back take one a little sloppy on guitar get back again <laughs> with take two don't let me down that's the one with the john mess up mm-hmm. you got i got a feeling uh by the time we get to don't let me down we start to get some complainers on the street and that's where they introduce these pcs pc dag and pc shaler the and they come over and they start to get stymied by the, <laughs> which by is the, the funniest moment. They come in, they're like, "Oh, you've got to stop!" Oh, let me see what they're doing. No, yeah, they're De- recording. No, they, 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 we can't do that right now. You got to yeah. give them more time. Debbie yeah. says, "I honestly don't know what they're doing." Yeah, I don't know what they're doing it's up there. Total <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> and then uh, they really did. You like that on the street? Uh, what do you think? All these on the streets? So, uh, like, do you know who's playing? It's the Beatles. Oh yeah, I like the oh, Beatles. Yeah. That's Paul McCartney. Yeah. And then you get old an old lady being like, it woke me up from my sleep, and yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, but she was grumpy. And then of course the guy who's also in the movie Let It Be used it. Oh, I think it's a bit of an imposition to completely disrupt the, yeah. the whole yeah. thing. And and Chris, I wanted to ask, because this is a big issue that has divided some of our listeners and other people in the Beatles sphere about the way Peter Jackson chose to show the rooftop concert because a lot of people had wanted it to be just the rooftop, just the concert, not the yeah. people talking, not anything else, just the unadorned concert. But we get split screens. We have you're kind of seeing what's happening in the office while you're seeing the performance. You've got the people on the street. It's kind of a uh, different perspectives all at the same time. What's your take on that? I think it's well done and I like it. And I like that they have the takes on the street and you get the atmosphere of what's going on. People being like, uh, you know, people craning their neck. Yeah. People, other people angry and talking to the police, the police coming in, the police getting delayed. <laughs> the, the, the finally the big police detective comes in and he's super nice yeah you don't detective. mind could i go to the and, <laughs> and even then she's timing him she's like no don't go on the roof because there's too much weight up there yeah, that's right. <laughs> so but i liked it i thought it was done well and most of the takes that are getting interrupted a 
are ones that are on the album. Yep. And B, how do we know we're not going to get a full cut of exactly the rooftop concert on the Blu-ray stuff with that stuff stripped out? Yeah. For the movie, the, this was the way to do it, I think. With That's the, my reaction, too. I think yeah. you, you'll have the option to see whether it's a director's cut or something else where you'll you'll get it just unadorned but i think it you it would lose something if we all want to see it that way but as a storytelling if you didn't see all that other stuff if you didn't see the people and the police and you were just watching it for the first time you'd be wondering why are they what's going on why are the police now suddenly there and what's going on you lose the story and i think it's built builds it much more interestingly to have the story I feel like it was brilliantly edited back yes. to go back and forth and sort of like timed up really well. And, yeah. the, the, uh, you know, and they do do three, four takes of these things, you know, and they do one after 909 is the only one that gets the one take. I think Yeah, they do dig a pony, the album version, but it's got that all I want is you intro. So it's really not the album version. That's another Spector cutout. Yeah. yeah. That's another one. I'm like, well, the take, it's true the take is the album version but yeah he cut out he edited i've got a feeling with the goofed up lyrics a little bit again don't let me down Uh, the cops finally get on the roof (laughs) paul sees them you see paul getting getting excited he loves it he's having he's like excited to see them up there it's almost like he's goading them to try to get arrested or something yeah uh, but Sergeant Kendrick's too nice, I think. <laughs> so he's never gonna, he's never gonna do it. But you know, and then the audition joke, and yeah, everybody just kind of leave. <laughs> and they were they were on a high when they came because of the movie ends yeah. with them going down and yeah. going back into the recording booth, and they're yeah. loving it. It was yeah, really they really they kick. really light up when they hear one after nine oh nine because it's really it is a great take. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they're just like, well, we should record the others now. Mm-hmm. And that, that's sort of the end of the movie. Yeah. And it, during the credits, we get them playing t- two of us. They do run for your life, which is weird. Yeah. They, but Paul's very performatively sort of staring at the camera yeah. all, during all of this. Yeah. They're doing Let It Be, the full two of us that's on the album. Long and Long Windy Road. road. Yeah. It ends with Let It Be, the version that's on the album. But mm-hmm. that's sort of... Uh, and I understand... Oh, yeah, this is where I think some people were like, oh, it would have been nice to get a longer... You know, we had all these long, long takes of crappy versions. Let's get the longer... <laughs> let's get the long, complete... Some One of our listeners here didn't like that there was not the full versions of all the songs that were on the album. Yeah. One of our listeners said a strength and weakness of this documentary is that it showed the story happening rather than telling the story as most documentaries do. Mm-hmm. So for us, for Beatle fans, that's great. Cause we want to see how things are going. Uh, but for, I could see, you know, the, that there was an onion story that had the, uh, had the, the title new Beatles doc gives, man greater appreciation for how long eight hours feels and <laughs> it's kind of true so you you're seeing we all know the big moment is that rooftop concert we're waiting to get to that point 
but mm-hmm. it's, it's a long slog to get to that point because they didn't have any idea what they were doing at the beginning of this. And yeah. it, it's a miracle. As I, I think I texted you, it was, it was like a miracle. It actually happened. Yeah. Took place. Yeah. You know, I think part of it was Paul finally like being like, okay, if we go up there and they film that, that's good enough Yeah, to finish this project. Right. And then they regroup and they finally like make a good album after that. So, and then it all falls apart because more because of it. It feels like it really, yes, they were getting separating, but they could have, they could have probably done some solo albums and then come back together. Were it not for all of the business yeah. issues and the Alan Klein of it all. That's but, that may be one of the biggest takeaways could be yeah. that, that, it's not Yoko. It's no. not Linda. And if it's Yoko, or... why is it not Linda too? Yeah, and right. Why it's is it not Linda. Maureen Starkey? And why right. is it not, you know, it, it, Eric Clapton? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd like yeah. to blame him for a lot of things these days. So. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, um, it was business, I think, that eventually yeah. kind of did them in. So I'm going to read a couple of more of these comments. Here, okay. Just real quick here. Okay. Because there some great comments. Blair from New York, we'd further from blair before but i personally always loved the let it be album and uh in my view the film really elevates the album seeing how they pulled these songs together in a remarkably short time watching them interact ultimately uh seeing them bang out these performances make me appreciate the record in a unique way so i know that you've come from a different viewpoint that you didn't like let it be yeah so my question to you is did this elevate the album in your eyes i don't think it elevated it but it made it it gave me a lot more context and understanding of how it came to be so it's still i i I know you you in our gifts episode you said you didn't get tired of hearing the same songs over and over again i did get tired of hearing get back if i heard that riff one more time i was gonna (laughs) shoot somebody but uh but it it does make me appreciate let it be a lot more i think it's still not going to be my favorite but i appreciate it a lot more uh chris said he did he uh thought it was he is a professional filmmaker uh, frequently hamstrung by messaging needs of the clients (laughs) marvel that the sheer audacity of a project that's such a comprehensive portrait of a few weeks in January, 1969. Finally, we have something made mainly for the fans, seemingly not compromised by the usual commercial imperatives of trying to appeal to the widest possible audience. Mm -hmm. Can't think of anything quite like it really refreshing. So that's from uh, Chris. Good take there. I think great point Uh, at the, uh, this is from uh, Nick from Lincoln, Nebraska. And he says at the end, the documentary ended with the filming stopped without any explanation of what happened to the recording. That's a controversial story. And when the Beatles uh, and their uh, widows may not have been able to agree to with Paul's anger at the changes made to the songs by uh, Phil Spector, but it does not explain. It doesn't not explain that what we saw led to the Beatles, let it be album and movie and the rehearsals of Abbey Road. So and that was one of my criticisms I made earlier is it just leaves you hanging. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think, I think once again, maybe there's a part two. Uh, maybe there's, they go back to Ron Howard and they're like, mm. okay, give us part two of your 
you know, your thing kind of ended it when the Beatles went off the road. So maybe, maybe in a couple of years, we get another Beatles documentary kind of about the later years and the ending. Yeah. Great comments. So I thought it would be fun. And we can, maybe there'll be some more in there too, to give you a couple of rapid fire takes here to kind of encapsulate this whole project. So uh, you can't think too hard and long. I just want, okay. I just okay. want first, like you're taking a survey here. So, all right. All right. Biggest revelation to me, I think was the time of it. The, it didn't really occur to me how short of a time they went from freaking nothing to having all these songs and a lot of well, like half idea songs that uh, like, uh, could have been worked out and stuff. I think that's probably the biggest revelation. Is that the biggest that's a great, revelation? That's a great answer. Yeah, that's yeah. a great answer. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Uh, most annoying person. I'm, I'm, this is going to be real controversial here. Ooh, George. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, tell me he's more. Such a, he's so sour at the beat. Yeah. So sour. And it's like, it, it, like sometimes it's like you're, you know, I know I realized that the dynamic has been built up and he's frustrated because he's not getting these songs paid attention to. To some extent, it's like if you bring in a different energy, because in the last half, he brings in a different energy. He yeah. comes in with songs and they are like Old Brown Shoe got recorded. All these other songs got recorded, but he's so like he doesn't he doesn't want to play. He doesn't like if you didn't want to play, he didn't want to do a show say it before you even show up don't agree to come to the sessions yeah in the first place don't show up be sort of absent even though you're there sour and then quit so i think your answer is probably going to be michael Lindsay hawk right it would be probably yeah yeah i wasn't as bothered by him as other people seem to be really i know a lot of our listeners really didn't like michael Lindsay hawk yeah but uh yeah all right uh favorite song non-Beatles song that they performed well I always love save the last dance for me their their little version of it there and I had it on a bootleg you know that was the thing those bootlegs used to be have a lot of the oldies type stuff uh, that that was the focus of the bootleg oh look look at all these oldies they played and so I, I I do like hearing them play all that stuff but that was probably my favorite one what about you mine was uh new orleans by gary u.s bond oh uh, yeah was another that was a hey 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 hey, hey. <laughs> that was a cool one i thought that was a good yeah good or, or uh, uh, scratch what i said the harry lime theme okay Just so that great harry oh. lime theme yeah that was so great. awesome that was great yeah Favorite Yoko activity that she was engaging in during the eight hours. <laughs> you can choose from a bunch of things she was doing. I'm just going to say when they dance, there are a lot of Yoko haters out there. And, you know, and obviously we got a couple examples of her singing, which is not, not yeah, great. Not but, our favorite, but they're just jams. They're just goofing around. It's not, I don't know why everybody's so, negative about yoko maybe yeah. it's what what about you what i liked your... her painting i thought her oh like the yeah characters uh, they're japanese 
characters, Chinese characters, some sort of characters were very beautiful on the back while Ringo was playing uh, on his shell. I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, so I like that. Uh, how about best Paul histrionics? Oh, yeah. Kev- Kevin said, uh, <laughs> I, I think we may have set a record of Paul histrionics <laughs> in a Beatles product. Um, yes. I think it's when he's doing uh, to me was that whole sequence where he's like doing that voice and reading the newspaper article. I just laughed a lot because he was doing a lot of this, doing a whole character. <laughs> and John Lennon would say yeah. came to blows with George Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a Ringo who uh, George and Ringo who have not uh taken the uh, for the bazaar <laughs> that, was, that was i really liked that so yes. so paul but, was excellent and yeah paul was great throughout yeah. the thing did did it you know he did that grease paint thing was in a voice yeah. did they did a whole one in sort of scottish like a mm-hmm. scottish take of one of the songs and he was he did a lot of great stuff but yeah and he was really losing it at the rooftop towards the end oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) pretty pretty great uh another question does the fifth beetle change from george martin to mal evans oh well why wouldn't it change to billy preston well because he was only there for such a short time i know john said he he thinks that billy should have been the fifth beetle but i wonder if they continued and if billy preston had been available Mm. Like if they if they'd actually gone, you know what? Let's do a couple shows. They certainly would have had Billy Preston. Play oh yeah, with them. and how so cool I wonder would that if, have been? I wonder if Billy Preston would have been like, you know what? You're in the group now. You know, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, Mal Evans and his hammer. But Ma- hammer. Mal Mal Evans, we didn't even mention Mal Evans on our fifth Beatle episode no. umpteen years ago now. No. Um, but he certainly is uh, 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 of the all these little side characters. He's the one that's the most interesting, I think. Definitely, because we know the least about him, too, probably. But well. George Martin, too, uh, still is kind of the fifth Beatle. I mean, you have to because, yeah. he's, you know, did so much of the scoring. And, oh, yeah. You know, even in this, he's coming in. He's like uh, 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 helping them figure out their bass sound and mm-hmm. things of that nature. So. Of course. And my last one is oh. who smoked the most? In the- <laughs> I think Paul smoked the most. It seemed to me, right? I was going to say George, maybe. George is pretty yeah. bad, too. But yeah. yeah, Paul always had something going. Ringo's underserved in that. I mean, he just didn't say a whole lot, I think. No. And, you know, no. maybe he was tired. tired you know, he, he, I, I think historically he said he didn't like those sessions at Twickenham. Yeah, a couple of our listeners pointed out. Sven said Ringo was surprisingly silent. Uh, other people talked about Ringo was almost not even there. They felt like he wasn't even part of it most of the time. He was just sitting in the back. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, Michelle Corti, uh, who's commented uh, several times, uh, had an uh, interesting comment. A curious thing that we know all the lyrics when in the documentary, they still have to find the right words. We're like, I know what should be there come on you like don't say like cauliflower yeah yeah <laughs> um so i thought that was good matt says hard to say what my favorite part was but watching uh, paul come up with the ideas for get back was incredible that was mentioned a lot of people said that you know yeah. 
it was like the muse and inspiration just flowed right through him. Right. Definitely was like a moment of flow state and just like being, you know, letting, letting things, uh, you know, just like a, an NBA player who's like uh, uh, hitting all of these threes, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like a great uh, moment. So. And then one more comment from Michael, and we talked about this earlier that you, you read off that segment of all the, unreleased Lennon McCartney songs yeah, that that were just touched on that we just heard little bits of. And he said that an episode devoted to the unreleased Lennon McCartney songs played in the documentary would be great. I was surprised at how many were played and referenced. I was totally unfamiliar with. And yeah, that was a a big revelation too. That was to me that in the, particularly in the rewatch, and I think future rewatches, it's just to catch these little. Yeah. (laughs) Snippets and fragments of songs and like, imagining what they could have been and yeah you know maybe maybe we will get a release with some of that because there were you know that like the castle of the sound of the king or whatever yeah yeah whatever it's like that was played through the end of the credits and it's a lengthy enough piece and a complete enough piece that you could release it on a cd true a lot of the oh this is something we didn't mention a lot of the the song title and then it says the author did you find that some of those were inaccurate yes there were i didn't write down because i just i forgot but yeah there was at least one or one or two that were not right yeah and i'm wondering if for this documentary if this is now changing some of those yeah to a new to a new author i don't know I don't know the answer to that because they they have to have it in the credits and stuff too. Right. Right. So, yeah. So that'll be interesting to like, look at uh, going forward. Another thing, this is mentioned by David. David didn't like the documentary as much, uh, but he said, uh, and a lot of it was like uh, John Lennon off his head on heroin, mucking about and wasting time. You see a lot. He's he was complaint was we saw a lot of that and we did not see those complete versions of Let It Be. I mean, mine, two of us, one long and winding road can't understand the decision. Well, this is what the in the people's complaints about the rooftop concert. Yeah. This is why I think yeah. we might get some of that in the in the Blu-ray bonus material. And maybe not even the bonus material. It could be because those are in the movie. Let it be. So if we actually get the remastered, re yeah, redone original movie, then those are in there. So I've always loved the Let It Be version that's actually in the movie. Yes, yes. and I would love a restored uh, exactly. 4K mm-hmm. Dolby Atmos sound version of that. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that the rumors are true and that is in the works yeah we could be (laughs) we it seems like with the let it be set and the get back book and the get back movie which we've watched twice that we'd be burnt out i know at this point but i'm like oh yeah give me more more. (laughs) (laughs) so it's there's just so much and we'll be we'll we'll we don't want to we have to give every little minutia but we're going to keep thinking about this and re-watching it and i know a lot of a lot more of our ideas will and remembrances will keep popping back and over the next years because it's just so much and i know as you said too just watching it the second time i caught so much more yeah and, and i yeah. i did too 
Yeah. And, and I, the, the first time you watch it, the flush of excitement is like just overwhelming yes. almost. So, yes. Um, and the second time I still was thinking, I can't believe I'm watching this and I'm seeing all this. This is just incredible yeah. that. Well, th- thanks so much to everybody for your comments. I just want to mention everybody's name here. Sven, Jackson, David, Shell, Matt, Kevin, Darren, Michael, Chris, Matthew, and Mark. And, oh, Nick, Chris, again, different Chris. Uh, Blair, which we mentioned your comments a couple times, and Jim uh, from California. Great. We couldn't read everybody's full comments because they were like very lengthy and very well thought out and just like very brilliant. And even even if we completely disagreed with uh, our points of view on this, I, I think uh, very valuable uh, to read this for me i know i know it was for oh, you yeah. as well dave and um, definitely yeah yeah so thank you for all of that and for uh, this was we knew this would be a long episode because there's just so much to say so we hope yeah. you uh, have some of the same thoughts or thought some of the same things we did or didn't i think it would be good to hear uh, both sides but there's just so much i know we're going to be talking about this for years to come and uh, i know i'm very grateful to Peter Jackson and Apple and everybody for Disney plus getting this out there. And yeah, uh, it turned out to be an amazing experience. Yeah. I think it was just uh, uh, presented so well. Disney plus did a great job uh, as far as the delivery goes of making it very clean. And the picture looks great. The sound is amazing. I know that Giles Martin and um, Sam O'Kell worked on the sound with it. And it just, I had yeah. it going through my stereo. If I, I'm, I'm wondering if anybody had Dolby Atmos, if they listened to it mm. that way, if it was like even better. Yeah. I'm just like, I, I'm thrilled with it. Somebody asked me, my, one of my close friends asked me, uh, how was that Beatles documentary? And I said, oh, it's the best thing I've ever seen, <laughs> which I was sort of joking, but not really. I mean, it's yeah. just, you know, if you're a Beatles fan and have been so since you were young, uh, just to be able to spend so much time with them as if particularly in a time like now, or we're maybe even going back into a, mm. another round of uh, terrible uh, being closed off from everybody just to be able to spend some great time and with the Beatles. Oh yeah. Is uh just a how can you do any better? So you know great way to leave it there. Yeah. So all right. Well thanks again for listening and contributing. And we will uh I don't know, do we have one more episode in us for this year? It's already uh close to <laughs> Christmas next week. So we may yeah, may not. not. Sure. This this kind of wore me out. I know it wore yeah. you out too, but yeah, uh, we're looking forward to 2022. Let's hope it's a, a better, well, to quote John and Yoko, let's hope it's a good one. Uh, yeah. Well, I had a rough, year. I had a rough kind of end of the year and that sort of slowed down, uh, uh, though I'm just about ready to upload our uh, song album career, Jimi Hendrix career episode, which is a great episode. I just have had such uh, uh, troubles towards the end of this year. Yeah. Things, things that I'm looking forward to 2022 and looking forward to a lot of great music next year and hopefully some. I know you've got your pre order in for the <laughs> Wings Wildlife uh, Half Speed Master. Yes, I can't wait to hear Bip Bop in ultimate, <laughs> optimum clarity. So, but if we, you know, it, it, it is a good sign that maybe we're going to get Half Speed Masters for all of the 
albums. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, it, maybe I don't want that one because I've already got it on record. Yeah. Maybe I do want the one that would come out after that. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Definitely. The, you know, whatever yeah. comes out. So we'll, we'll see what, we'll see how they do. And we'll see if uh, we're going to get some Paul releases and why not a new Paul thing? Come on, Paul. I know. I know. What have you been doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks for listening, for sticking with us as always. And we will probably be back at you in 2022.